0: help. I encourage you to speak up, spread the word, and please take care. Now on to the conversation. Hello, anybody there? Hi, here I am. Hey, how are you? How are you? Good, good. You can see me. Yes. Okay, great. Excellent. Great. <laughs> well, good to see you. Good to meet you. It's very good to meet you too. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, I was actually going to tell you I'm really excited to get to talk to you today, because I think you, um, obviously, a la gente mexicana. I gotta, I gotta make sure that I get more uh, compatriots, as they say, on the podcast. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Represent <laughs> that's right, and
0: you you have a wonderful story to share with people, oh. so i'm I'm really excited to get to know more about how your journey began. And we can mm-hmm. go back all the way all the way to Mexico to see where the story begins for you, if that's okay.
1: okay., absolutely, yeah, yeah. um well, let's see. I was trying to think, um I think a good beginning is is just my family because uh, my family are such gossips, you know. They love gossip, they love stories and they spend like as much time as possible just chatting about people, you know, loved ones and neighbors and etc. And so that's my family really, you know, my grandma, you know, you would just sit her with a cup of coffee and she would just go, go at it, you know, like, (laughs) oh, your aunt, you know, when she was young, she used to do this. So for example, I remember, you know, like, and it was, you know, of course about loved ones, but also... You know, th- there was so much, um, there was so much um, like snide little comments and stuff. Uh, I remember, mm. for example, one one of the families was the the seven capital sins. That's what they were oh. called, you know. So, you know, like seven siblings <laughs> and they were all that bad. They were seven capital sins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so pirate stories, because we are from, well, my, my dad's family is from the coast. This, she, uh, he's from Mazatlán, Mexico. Mm, and yeah. um, and so you know it's a city full of like lore about you know who pe- who uh, who were the people who founded the city and et cetera, and my family how they got there et cetera. Everybody's from somewhere else in Mazaplan, you know. So they're immigrants mm-hmm. from different countries or different parts of Mexico. And uh, so you know, my grandmother used to say, you know, your your uncle so and so was you know a mercant and you know he would bring you know goods by ship and you know he was this you know this um you know well-to-do man who was doing very well with commerce and stuff like that and her husband mm-hmm. my grandpa would say oh he was a pirate
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that kind of tends to happen a lot in in Mexican families, I've realized where there's like either a mythology or then this revelation of of truth that has nothing to do with what actually happened. Exactly. And do you think that that's something that inspired you to tell stories, or is that kind of how things began for you in that aspect?
1: I think so. You know, I, when 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 that was happening, I was not aware. You know, I was just like enthralled with the stories, etc. But when I think about it, you know, like how it is that I became such a storyteller. I think certainly, you know, that that was like my education, if you will, because, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was reading a lot of books because, you know, my dad would buy books and he he just got this thing, you know, from, I remember from one day day to the next, my house was a house with things and a TV. It went from (laughs) that to a house full of books and a TV on the side. And so, you know, my dad Mm -hmm. decided, okay, it's time to buy books. And so he got these subscriptions for like book of the month or encyclopedias. I don't know, but suddenly the house started getting really full with books and I just started reading a lot. So, and so, so those two things, you know, just like, I, I love books. I love reading since little, but I think maybe even more was just those stories, you know, like hearing mm-hmm. story after story with, with all my different loved ones, et cetera. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you remember the first things that you wrote when you were younger, if that was such a thing for you?
1: I wrote journals. No, I didn't write like formal stories. I wrote journals and diaries, you know, dear diary, this is what happened today and that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And letters. I wrote a lot of letters because I had a cousin that I, you know, we were like twins, but we only saw each other once a year because she was living elsewhere. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, the rest of the year is like, I miss you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah. So it was not nothing that I would be interested in publishing in any way. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would yeah. be good for that. But, but it was, uh, it was just like constant storytelling, both in writing and orally, just like chatting mm-hmm. away. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. When do you remember your first project happening, especially fiction or nonfiction yeah. or poetry? When did that actually start for you?
1: I think I did my first like formal attempts at college, you know, so I had really interesting literature classes because I, I majored in literature. and um And there was like a workshop, you know, like a writing workshop. And so I did poetry there. And mm-hmm. some people said that it was nice and all, but I was too shy to like <laughs> Even try to publish it. I was just like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about this. So was,
0: was that, was that back, back in Mexico or was that here? Yeah, it
1: was back in, back in Mexico.
0: Uh-huh.
1: See. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I did my undergrad in Mexico and then I did grad school in the States. So mm. I I've had both, you know, academic worlds in, yeah. in both countries.
0: How was that though? Like going from a former education or full education down there to transitioning to academic life here? Was that really like a difficult transition for you
1: um yeah well it was hard because it was so different but i was able to sleep better in the states because (laughs) because i i was on scholarship so you know i had a full Mm. scholarship here uh well it was not a full scholarship i had to teach one course per semester so it was a teaching assistantship Mm. but to me Mm. it was like so I was teaching one course per semester, whereas in Mexico wow. I had to work full time to go to college. <laughs> oh so, man. Yeah. So it, I can imagine. So there was not a lot of reading, uh, not a lot of sleeping there. Sorry. Yeah. So so <laughs> so just because I, I had like a like a healthier lifestyle in the States, I was like, oh, this is easy, you know. <laughs> I was so. You know,
0: yeah, so that was when you when you came over here. Have you been here ever since? Or was there kind of like a, a lifetime of kind of going back and forth like some of us?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yes. I cannot I cannot be with my without my Mexico. And besides mm-hmm. that, um, there were some years in between because I came to grad school here, but only I was gonna do my PhD, both MA and PhD, but I decided to take a break. So I did only two years instead of the full program. Mm-hmm. And I went to Germany because I'm like, Mm. I think I need to see different places. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I had (laughs) friends who invited me. So I went there and I ended up staying, um, you know, I was going to be there for like a year and and I loved it. So I ended up staying for four years. Wow. Yeah, I loved it.
0: What were the things that stood out when you were there? In Germany? Yeah. Well,
1: I just wanted to see different places, really. And when I got there, I really loved it because... um, I had really good friends. Um, I got a nice job, you know, so they, um, my friends wanted to learn Spanish. And I'm like, yeah, good, because I need a job. <laughs>
0: so,
1: <laughs> so that was great. I just, um, you know, they connected me to their friends. And so then I had like a group of, like a number of students. And, and that's how I paid my, my bills. And that was, it, just, it was just really great. It, the most important thing about Germany for me was that I was free in the sense of, I never had, I ha- I had never had a car, so I, I, don't ha- I didn't have a lot of money. So I never mm-hmm. had a car, but in Germany, I had a bike. And in mm-hmm. a bike, you can go anywhere. You can leave, even go from city to city by bike because wow. there's like the bike paths everywhere. And so it's just such a feeling of freedom. And so it's like, you know, freedom for people who don't have a lot of money, you know? So to me, mm-hmm. transportation, yeah. that was, Fabulous. And then also for women, because as a woman, as a young woman, I was just, you know, like in Mexico, you cannot go everywhere as a woman, right? And not even as a man, you know, so it's kind of hard. And uh, in here, same thing. But in Germany, I remember going to bars at night, you know, I was like 20 something. I was like 26, 27 years old, and I would go to a bar with friends. And then at the end of the night, you know, like you buy, you, you drink a couple of beers or whatever. And then at the end of the night, everybody's a little, you know, and um, <laughs> and people would say, bye, see you later. And everybody would walk in their different directions or bike. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. at two in the morning, I would walk alone in the city at night. Wow. And it was like, yeah, sure. I'm going home.
0: Yeah, that that's going to be such a surreal feeling culturally, because I, I mean, one of the things that was ingrained by my parents and and grandparents. I mean, I come from a family of mostly women. Like I, I'm right in the middle of two sisters. So I have a younger sister and an older sister, tons of cousins, uh, uh, you know, female cousins. And that was always preached, like go with your cousin or like help, you know, make sure that you're vigilant always always. every single time. I mean, I can't imagine that even to this day. The culturally, how different that is.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and also, you know, now I have an eighteen-year-old daughter, and I tell her the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you are with somebody at night, or as long as I know where you are, then I'm okay. So it's yeah. not like I want to control your life, but you need to
0: stay safe. You know, and I'm like, yeah, here are things to be mindful of. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Just a,
0: yeah. a few. Just a few. <laughs> right. So, what what led you to leave Germany, or or when did that? chapter end
1: well i think two main things one of them is i needed to finish my phd so i was not gonna you know that was just like a little you know like a parenthesis and then the other thing so i that was here in the states and then the other thing was i was looking for a job and i thought well if i find that job here i you know like a like a long-term job like a career type job Mm. i might stay or stay longer but that's impossible because although, I mean, I was legally there as a student, but to transition into the professional world, uh, it was Mm. impossible because the laws there are different from here. It's not about who is the best candidate for a job. It's um, they have this tier system. So first they consider Germans, Mm. then they consider Europeans generally, and only then if they cannot find um, a suitable candidate, they'll consider someone else from, you know, like from yeah. the rest of the world. And so, yeah, so yeah. that was impossible. That was just like.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That was a good end to the chapter, but you you came back mm-hmm. to the U.S. or you came back to Mexico?
1: I came back to the States. Yeah. And yeah. so I came and I finished my Ph.D. and then got married. That didn't last. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, as they say, for good reasons. Exactly. Right? You know, for, like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for good reasons. <laughs> yeah, and um, and and then I stayed here. So I, you know, I got a job, and uh, so the job that I got is is the one I have right now. So I've been oh wow in the same place for twenty. 20- and you're in Vermont, right? Yeah at at Middlebury College. Yeah, yeah. I've been wow. here. Yeah.
0: That's really wonderful to hear. It seems like you've had you have your roots there now, and that's mm-hmm. home now. Yeah do you still feel like I got to go, I got to go to Mexico to get a little bit of a (laughs) a recharge? Um, Yeah. So tell me about this thing that I saw in your bio that really kind of struck with me, which was, I write stories of social and environmental justice as experienced by Latinx and LGBT persons. That is remarkably specific and like something that you you took some time to consider. Was that something that has always been with you or is that, Uh, sort of like a belief that has taken some time to develop.
1: Hmm. Hmm. You know, the truth is that when I had to write my bio, I was just like, who am I, right? Like, what, what exactly (laughs) do I do? And, and really that is, that is really like the, I think it's accurate, I guess is what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but it was never a plan. I just, uh, that's what I write about. You know, I've always been just very in tune with people who face injustice and how they deal with that how they try to correct those injustices Um, whether they are individuals or communities whether they are lgbt people or people who are fishermen trying to make a better living in mexico or they are you know, maybe a maid working for uh, you know yeah. up, up uh, upper class family, etc. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know I mean yeah. i I don't know exactly why, but that is what uh <laughs> that is what I'm most sensitive to, I think, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah,, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: so that leads me to ask you about your book, which sounds amazing, but I'd like to hear it from you, sort of how this project came together, and How long did it take? Maybe some obstacles that you experienced while putting this project together? Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of, uh, there was a number of, um, experiences that, that really made me sit down and write these stories. And I think among the first was that, so, um, my dad is from Mazatlán, right? And I am from Mm -hmm. Guadalajara. So I am from an inland city, a big city. But every year, twice a year, at least, we would go on vacation, you know, for a week or two to Mazatlan because mm. of his family, because, you know, we had extended family there and it was lovely. And um, and so that was like my second home. And it was really like paradise because it was like freedom and the ocean and, and my crazy family. And it, it was just like, you know, it's like. Like when you have an ex- uh, your, your nuclear family, you feel loved and surrounded by protection, right? But when you have an extended family that is kind of the same, it's just like you know, it just magnifies. It's just like you feel like mm-hmm. you're in this village of people who love you, and it's just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, the physical aspect of the city and my and my good memories of my family um, was lovely. And uh, but I had to stop going there as a as a young person because. I was studying abroad and all those things yeah. and it took me many years to go back and so I, it was more than 10 years maybe 15 or so years until I was able to go back and when I did I was kind of shocked because the city was not the same at all you know it had been just like neglected and you know the yeah. downtown was just like kind of falling apart because the north part of the city which is not our part you know we were in the center of the city my family and but the north part was getting built and built with hotels and fancy places that we didn't have mm. a lot of connection with. And uh, in yeah. the downtown where my grandma, my grandparents lived, was just like abandoned, you know, it was really sad. And I'm like, damn, what happened here? I, I felt mm-hmm. so sad. And uh, mm. my then uh, partner told me. I think you should write a novel about this. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> I think yeah. I should. Yeah. So that's one of the things. And and there were others, there were other experiences that, that really just like compelled me to do this. And uh, so another one, for example, is in another one of those trips, and it, this was not in Mazatlán, it was in a different beach. We were just walking on the beach and I saw a sea turtle hatch, but just like by chance, just, you know, serendipity because it was, um, you know, how you can actually go and visit um protection areas where you can actually mm-hmm. see them come out and it's organized as educational yeah. projects. And, and so it's lovely, right? But in this case, it was just by chance, you know? So this little thing comes out of the sand and we're like, oh, look at that, you know? And, and we were <laughs> like, I felt like it was like a miracle because yeah. as I say, you know, like I just feel people in Mexico don't always seem to realize how beautiful their country Mm -hmm. is. And maybe they, they kind of like take it for granted and they don't protect it as much as I wish. And so, you know, the Mazatlán Center to me was an example of that. And when I saw the little turtle, I thought, it's not so bad. You know, there's hope here. Right. You know, good things are happening. This one <laughs> came, came, out, came out. That means there's others, no? So, yeah. And yeah.
0: life thrives, you know, yeah. it definitely does persist. But you remind me of this thing when that happened when I went to Ahihik for the first time. Um, my family's from Okotlan, so it's like oh, real close, yeah. right? But because I've been uh over here in the US for so long, you know, I got to go back. And the biggest shock to me was that Ajijic, as we remembered it, right, was not really that at all. It was this um, sort of like resort for retirees. And it was a shock to me. I mean, my mom had been there a whole bunch of times, wow. you know, and she would she'd be like, oh, let's go to the Walmart. There's all the stuff that we need to make pasta or whatever. And it was just this feeling like, no, that's that, that's a completely different world. Yeah. I came here to experience my culture, you know, like my my grandpa was from those areas well, and now it's something completely different. Exactly. And yeah. I think to, to some of us to see that, to experience it is, is kind of heartbreaking. But, um, do you feel like you were more like you wanted to preserve it with, with a sense of joy or were you upset by this? Were you sort of like kind of thrown off by it? Because that's definitely kind of how I felt.
1: Yes, I was thrown off. I was quite thrown off i mm-hmm. I just felt very despondent about it, frankly, and um that is part of the that that was really important because i um I just felt like I had to tell these stories, and I was hoping to convey hope. you know I was hoping that my characters could show a model of okay, so this is what we have, but what can we do about it no you know wh- mm-hmm. how can we adapt to a new world, but also try to preserve some of those things that we cherish, right? Or try to bring some of them back and stuff like that. And so that's, yeah. that's what I think my novel is trying to, to convey. But uh, so I have another story actually because it's so <laughs> funny. So anyway, so last year when I was getting ready to publish the book, I was telling these kind of things to my editor. And I told her, you know what, just let me let you know that Mazatlán is not falling apart anymore you know so the Mm -hmm. center has seen a resurgence and she's like oh really and I'm like yeah you know because in one of the following trips that I did when I was already in the middle of writing the novel my dad happened to he passed away so years ago Mm. and uh, we went there for the funeral and I look around and we were in the downtown area right where where everything happened uh in my life and uh, and it was beautiful like really mm. amazingly beautiful the buildings have been restored and or rebuilt or you know maintained etc and i'm like wow <laughs> so it was quite Surprised and pleased, and then I feel I felt a little silly because my novel was about you know it's falling apart. Um, so I I started rewriting the novel to convey that difference, mm. but only partially because my novel is about the 1990s, mm. so it's about uh, the time previous to the reconstruction yeah. of Mazatlan. And anyway, mm. so my I was explaining this to my editor, and she's like, "I think that you should write uh, a closing chapter or an essay or something." to tell the readers this, and, mm-hmm. you know? And so, because as, again, so between 1990 and now, many good things have happened. And so, mm-hmm. so I went and I said, yes, and you know, I happened to be planning a trip to Mazatlan and would this work? And so we changed the publishing calendar a bit so that she would allow me to, to do this trip uh, before mm-hmm. the novel came out. And, and so my wife and I went there in December last year, mm-hmm. And she's, she, it was very sweet because on the one hand she's like, oh, I recognize this from your novel, and I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and then,
0: uh, it's yeah,
1: it was really sweet. And then on the other hand, she's like, but this is really like really amazing, and your novel doesn't show it that way. Like, yeah. It is because it has been rebuilt.
0: <laughs> so, right. so
1: anyway, so so I wrote the essay at the end of the novel to convey that. And then additionally, I came up with a new novel. And so I'm writing a new novel, which is about that, you know, that you know, the the not the before but the after, you know. So it's like, mm. so um this other one is much more joyful, if you will, you know, it's like mm-hmm. really like celebrating all those, you know, those accomplishments. Yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that sounds great because I do think that. During that time period, specifically the 90s, mm-hmm. it just struck me that me- Mexico was going through like this really strange time of, of it was a bleak time, it, it you know, financially for yeah. the country and everything. Yeah. And even as a kid, I, I think it was about like, you know, I was 10 years old. You know, I remember my parents going through very difficult times financially and everyone was talking about those things. but there was a time period shortly thereafter where it's almost like the lights went on, you know, in people's minds. And they're like, Oh, yeah. progress is possible. Progress yeah. is coming back exactly. again. So I think it's kind of a, it's a nice snapshot yeah. of that. I don't want to say futility because I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or your novel, but <laughs> you know, that's sort of what it feels like the dark before the light exactly. in some ways. Exactly. Of, of that yeah. Period. Yeah. Um. So specifically about Um'm I'm going back in time a little bit here, but I'm curious, just as strictly as a Mexican who has been plagued by sort of like the the bad parts of Catholicism <laughs> uh, so I apologize ahead of time. Would you say that your experience in terms of your identity growing up in Mexico at like a specific time period was a difficult time for you, or was it a fairly? straightforward experience
1: um i had two parts of my growing up in mexico the first part was a dream it was really Mm -hmm. like an ideal childhood it was really i was very blessed it was lovely and then things fell apart so Mm -hmm. uh then when i was a teenager you know mexico was going through all these things that you mentioned and my family was one of those casualties. So um, mm. it was uh, quite traumatic, frankly. So, uh, mm. so when I was a child, my dad had a business that was growing and thriving and we were well off, you know, we were like, yeah, mm. you know, so all those books that I mentioned, you yeah? know,
0: so he was probably yeah, like, yeah. oh, I
1: have this extra cash, let's buy books and that kind of thing right. and um, et cetera. No, so we, we lived very well. And, you know, upper, upper middle class, I would say. And then, um, and then one of those enormous uh, upheavals economically in Mexico, because there were, there was a number, right. One of them Mm. was just like, you know, it was a death knell for my dad's business and, Mm. and he never really recovered. And so he, he tried to do this or that or the other, but nothing really was sticking. Um, and, um, So that's because that's why, for example, when I was in college, I had to work full time because that was the only way to to get an education and stuff. Um, It was really, really not 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 easy. It was just hard, (laughs) frankly. It Mm -hmm. was. um, And I think that other families that I know were going through uh, difficulties similar to mine and others were not, you know, so not everybody was unlucky um, Mm -hmm. that I know, you know, the people, you know, in in my circle. but the people, uh, so, you know, like you see the city, you know, that you see the community fraying. Um, mm-hmm. you see that things are not working for a lot of people. And, uh, and, you know, people start just like in survival mode, you know, and it's, it's just really hard, you know, so like, okay, let's add a second job so that we can pay the basic things or let's sell the car because, you know, so now it's okay. I'll just go by bus instead. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so things were, things become just harder gradually or sometimes quickly. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's, it's hard. So yeah, I had those, those two things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it seems like a a very complicated time for the family. Um, did you feel like there were other things going on in your life that made growing up difficult or did you feel like orientation or identity was ever a problem for you growing up <laughs> with family Yes it was
1: very hard but again I think it was something that I was not even aware how hard it was because um you know you're growing up and you're just like okay whatever your family says that's the world right like that's mm-hmm. that's how things are yeah. and uh, my family was quite conservative really really conservative and um so for example, if I wore sneakers, they were like, oh come on, why can't you just be a little more feminine, right? And like, okay. Yeah. And uh so if I, you know, I wanted to cut my hair, and they're like, no, longer is nicer, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So there was like yeah. this soft um education in like, no, that's just not the what we expect of uh-huh. you. And yeah. um and I think that so it's um it's it's interesting that the, the order in which you're asking questions because i think that the the money problems that my family had really pushed me to be, because my dad went into depression he was really depressed mm. and i think um that really pushed me to try to be a better daughter you know Oh, and yeah, and so instead of being more rebellious or like you know, sorry, but I'm gonna wear my sneakers and I'm gonna chop my hair off and things like that. Yeah. Instead of that, I'm like, how can I be a better daughter? How can I mm. make them smile? You know? Yeah. And and yeah. I think that that really affected me personally. So because I was not even aware that I was gay, I was, I was so closeted that I thought all these crushes that I have on girls. We're just like I really love my friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and that kind But of- it's it's one of those things where you start thinking more of your family. and You say yeah. I need to sort of do damage control, exactly. right? In a way, exactly. and minimize whatever I'm feeling. You know, is is not important. I need to make sure that family's okay exactly but that definitely takes a toll yeah i imagine yeah
1: exactly yeah so that was that was really hard and, and that really made my life uh go into a certain direction you know so you know so yeah. i married a guy and 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 part of why i mean i i did that is i just wanted to have like a regular family i wanted to make a mm. happy family you know so and i yeah. i always wanted to have kids i i always did and so i you know, back then I had not even heard about in vitro fertilization or anything like that, you know? So I'm like, okay, if I, if I want kids, I need a
0: guy. (laughs) You're like, this is the way that it happens. Exactly.
1: So like, I should have gotten better, you know, informed (laughs) before making those decisions.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. But you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, it seems like you, you are a hundred percent more comfortable with, uh, with who you are. And, do you think that there is still more exploration to happen on the page or do you feel that writing has helped you process this, you know, or, or gotten you gotten you to a point where you feel more comfortable talking about these sorts of things?
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah, I, um, it was lovely. I mean, it was really like therapy for me, writing. Um, i uh there's many stories in the book that are autobiographical, um not necessarily about me but maybe m- about my uncle or my grandma and, mm. and uh, but also a bit about me and so basically the the love story between the main character Mariana and her girlfriend is not something that happened in my life, but it's what I was imagining as an ideal love relationship between two women, you know uh Mm-hmm. And so whatever obstacles they faced, they, they just said, all right, this, this obstacle is here and let's see what we can do about it. It was just like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm who I am and I love you and, and let's stay together. This is hard, but okay, mm-hmm. let's, let's figure it out. No? So um, in that way, so it was a way for me to imagine what a better experience for myself would be and um mm. it just it just it's just i mean writing is so liberating in that way at least for me because it mm. you know if if something is hard you can put it on the paper and you can also try to make a blueprint as, as how to move on from that difficulty and to try to make it better etc and for me it's it works that way it really does mm. yeah so yeah. and that's one of the aspects yeah
0: yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I have a couple more questions just to be mindful of your time yeah. uh, so that you can have your busy Monday back. <laughs> but I'm curious, what is on the horizon? You have Arribado, which is the the project that we had been talking about yeah. uh, up until now. But are there, aside from the follow up kind of novel of, of uh you know Mazatlán and sort of like those areas are there other projects that you're excited about or that are kind of piquing your interest right now
1: yeah I have um I have a um a collection of short stories that I am it's ready I just have to do the final edits uh, in order to submit it and I have to make a few decisions because I I write everything in English and in Spanish everything that I Mm. have is in both languages wow and uh and so the decision that I have to make is whether I want to publish them uh, separately, like an English collection and a Spanish collection, or to make a, a bilingual edition of them.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that would be my dream, but it's, of course it's harder, you know, because finding the editor yeah. who would be interested in that is not easy. Mm-hmm. But one of the stories, if I, if I may take a minute to, to talk about it, which I, I just mm-hmm. love this story, it's about a guy I met in Guadalajara. Uh, I was working at a, at a migrant shelter in Guadalajara, just, you know, volunteering. And um, I met this person who was coming from Honduras towards the United mm. States. And he was stopping in Guadalajara, just like everybody else, just like they, they stop, they take a break, they wash their clothes, they sleep for a day or two, and then they keep going. And, mm. uh, and I just chatted with him and I'm like, tell me, how did you get here? Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. well, the the valley was hard. And I'm like, what valley? Yeah, the mountains. That was kind of really hard, you know, because they're very steep. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He biked from Honduras.
0: (laughs) Oh, my word. Yes.
1: And I'm like, what are you telling me? Yes, that's why I have these, you know, my, my fingers are burnt, you know. Because of the cold, this was December. It was really cold oh, up in goodness. the mountains. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, those are high mountains. And uh, so anyway, so I wrote the story about the guy who bikes from Honduras to Mexico, to, for, to Tijuana, uh, through Mexico and uh, mm. it's, it, it was such a beautiful story. You know he basically told me, you know, I had a bike uh, and I, you know, I needed to bike. And so I told him, how did they let you go through the checkpoints? And he's like, yeah. they probably thought I was a local <laughs> on my bike. <laughs> and I just thought, no, this is lovely. This is just like, no, this oh, yeah. must be written.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. You have these moments of real occurrences, real happenings yeah. that are just so unreal yeah. that you—they just have to be captured. You have to yeah. put them, to, put them to paper. That's just incredibly fascinating. Yeah. But. Uh, Mexico seems to be full of them, yes, I think. Absolutely uh, true. So we're we're lucky in that regard. Yeah. Um two more. So what are some what are some things you do now as a writer, storyteller with other occupations? You you got family, you got a, a day job. What are some things that you do for your quality of life to preserve some kind of balance?
1: Oof. Um I think I mean actually for me writing is um although it's hard, it's it's it, I really need it for my quality of life. It's something that is part of... So my work actually lets me rest sometimes in a weird way. It's weird. Uh, but yeah. also, I, I just love being outside in a natural environment, ideally in, in the ocean, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> Swimming, you know, and doing that kind of yeah, thing, yeah. which I love. Uh, but obviously not in Vermont. That's not possible. Uh, and so I just, uh, I just like to be outside and take walks or, you know, go kayaking or swimming in the lake if this is where I am. And, um, and the other thing I love to do, of course, is to sit down and have a nice meal with my loved ones. I just love mm-hmm. to eat, love to chat <laughs> <laughs> and love to be close to my, to my loved ones, my friends and family. Yeah. I, it's just a very simple mm-hmm. life that I lead. It's nothing that's special. I am uh, also, I used to be a musician. I don't really oh, nice. play a lot of music anymore, but I love it. And so I try to play piano sometimes, or I have an mm. ukulele and I'm trying to teach myself and-
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I love it. You gotta it. keep it going. Yeah, I know, I know, I
1: have to work on that. Like it's, <laughs> it's staring at me now like, hi.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so lastly, I just wanna ask you, What's your hope for tomorrow? Not just as a as a storyteller, but for the state of the world. What are you hopeful for? Yeah, that's
1: such an important question. Yeah. I hope. You know, sometimes things happen. Uh it, it I think it's hard to stay hopeful through the pandemic, et cetera. The political uh events of, of recent years have been so hard. But um I think, uh, I, ha- I try to remind myself that sometimes change happens overnight. Sometimes surprising changes happen. And I'm not saying miracles, I, you know, I don't know if I believe in miracles, many people do. But to me, uh, working towards something that, where you don't see any progress, does not mean that there's no progress. Because sometimes uh, all the work that you have done doesn't show until later and then it does and then when it does (laughs) it's like oh it's here you know and so i i think to me the future would be uh, a place that we arrive at after staying hopeful that you know and Mm -hmm. staying hopeful means keep at it i mean just like work on it just like take care of the environment take care of each other you know wear a mask if a mask is necessary to Prevent illness, etc. You know, um, just basically do the little things or the bigger mm-hmm. things, because one day there will be a benefit. That's that's how I want to see it. I hope so. Yeah.
0: Beautiful, right. beautiful. I think that about covers it and does it. <laughs> so, uh, Estelle, I want to thank you so much for your openness today, for sharing so much of your life story, and really, honestly, for inspiring me because to to meet somebody who's from my neck of the woods, who has done so much, who, who continues to write and develop and work on their craft is, I mean, I get kind of emotional, but it's a pleasure to talk to you Thank and you. to get to connect with you today. Thank it's you just so lovely. So I can't wait to, uh, to check out the book. And uh, we are going to put some links in the episode description so that folks can take a look. And uh, where else can they find you? What's your website?
1: My website is estelagonzalez.net. So González has Z and another Z, estelagonzalez.net. Yeah. And so, two Zs. Uh-huh.
0: Don't forget, two Zs. two Zs. Okay. Well, I will leave you be, but Estela, thank you again so much for your time and for being awesome. I, I really hope that we get to talk down the road. You
1: are awesome. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. I really, really love this experience. Thank you.
0: You have a wonderful day. Thank
1: you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey there before i go i just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast if you're enjoying arts calling please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to these episodes every little bit helps to bring awareness about these wonderful artists that we're featuring on this podcast and don't forget to say hi i'm over on twitter at Cruisefolio, folio and i would love to hear from you love to know what you're working on and i wish you the best in life and craft make art make haste and much love